This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. All right, welcome back to the podcast. This is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska. This morning when I woke up, I actually purposely, because I knew we were going to be recording this, I actually had cereal for breakfast. So I don't know about you, but I, you know, I used to be a cereal guy, and then I kind of stopped being a cereal guy. But today I had cereal, and my choice of cereal was Frosted Flakes. Frosted Flakes, that's a classic. Now, I didn't have cereal. I haven't had cereal. I can't say last time. My kids will eat it. Um, I can't say last time I've had it. My wife will eat it at times. She, she enjoys cereal. Usually at night, she likes to eat it like as a snack, which I, as what we can talk about, that's actually um, a lot of people do prefer it actually at that time. A lot of people don't consider it a breakfast food, but more of a, a snack food, believe it or not. All right. So our conversation today, cereal, history of cereal, right? Let's, I think we should start kind of quickly as to how obviously cereal came to be and bef- what breakfast was like before cereal. Based on all my research, colonial period and before that, most of the breakfast overall before cereal was just like any other meal. I mean, they would have steak, <laughs> they would have potatoes, people kind of, especially farmers, they ate whatever was left over from the night before. And that, that was, nice. that was breakfast. You know, it did not have there's no such thing as special breakfast food. It was just food. Here's a meal. We're going to have it. Yeah, you just needed to get something in your stomach. You needed nutrition, energy, whatever yep. it was. Yep. And in Europe, um, the European aristocracy kind of has this, kind of started something a little different for breakfast. That's when they start with like smoked, um, cold smoked tongue, ham, sausage, egg dishes, things of that nature. And then things kind of really started to change a little bit as to what breakfast became in the late 19th century, like early 20th century, and that kind of dealt with the Industrial Revolution. And I'm mainly with the fact that people's schedules became very standardized. You know, they had to get up at a certain time. They had to leave at a certain time. They had to, they didn't really have time to make food for themselves per se. So the idea was, let's have a bigger breakfast. Let's yeah, something to actually fill you up. Something to fill you up. And breakfast became a thing uh, that you would eat mainly because so that way you could stay up as a laborer in factory, you know, shops, whatever offices. And you didn't really have much time for food preparation, which also brought this idea of breakfast needed to be nutritious and it needed to be fairly quick. Another thing that needs to be added here is kind of the influence of Teddy Roosevelt. And, you know, when Teddy Roosevelt became president, he kind of endorsed this idea of like a strenuous life, big resurgence of interest in health being athletic and exercising and things like that. And I think a lot of that also had an impact on breakfast becoming like a staple food and trying to be healthy. It's basically the whole idea of the Gilded Age too. They were, well, they were recovering from that. So there was yep. like morally, economically, I remember reading about that sort of thing. So, yep. right, so also looking at what, what we're going to eat. And that became a big part of it too, because cereal is itself, it's an American invention. This yep. is, it, and it began, like kind of you were saying, also as more of a digestive aid than anything else. We'll talk about how some other religious overtones we can talk yeah. about. The sugary yeah. snack is a little bit, that's more, I want to say modern, 1960s, 70s. And, you know. Oh, yeah. The first cereals were like not necessarily good in any way, shape, or form. Um, no, the kids today, they would not be something that our kids are asking. No. no they were not. They didn't have um, marshmallow treats and toys in the bottom. They, they didn't have that. They say that the first like traditional cereal, in a sense, was created in 1863, right, yep. by James Caleb uh, Jackson. Um, he was a very religious, conservative vegetarian. Um, he ran a medical sanatorium, in Western New York, which is where essentially people would go to kind of treat some of their ills, whether it was depression, whether it was digestive issues or anything else. You know, if you had money, you went to these sanatoriums 
um, that you would basically spend some time in relaxing in and try to get some help. And um, he created his breakfast cereal from uh, graham flour dough, dried and then broke it into different shapes. And they said it was so hard, the first cereal, that it actually needed to be soaked in milk overnight. And it has to be to soaked be. in milk because the milk has that, the high fat content of milk is what yeah. allows it to. And it's also, it holds in the sugars now. But the uh, people, a lot of times, they might think of putting water in it. Imagine yeah. just eating your cereal with water. The milk component comes because of the high fat content in milk. That's one reason why they... Uh, Chose milk, um, and th- you know this was a, by no means sweet. This was, you know, James Jackson's uh, cereal in eighteen sixties. Again, this is like Civil War time. Was he called a gran- not granola, but granula with a you know G R A N U L A? You know, a guy by the name of uh, John Harvey Kellogg's of you know yeah, Kellogg's name. name. Yeah. He's, a He's the one that kind of yeah, and he kind of names it granola eventually, and then he really kind of makes it more of what we know it today, and then. CW Post gets in on that as well. Yeah, well, but, well, Post so was want, a Post yeah. was a um, patient, right? Yep. Kellogg was a doctor. They, yeah. uh, he ran like a health spa where they would serve this stuff, this granola, this new thing, granola, right? So and let's get into that. All right. So the cereal as we know it really starts with John Kellogg and Will Kellogg. They're two brothers, right? Mm-hmm. And CW Post. As you mentioned, uh, the Kellogg brothers, the older brother, John Harvey Kellogg, he became a doctor. But both of them were kind of raised with this idea. They were raised in the Seventh-day Adventist church. And that church believed that there was going to be like an imminent end of the world and a second coming of Christ. So the parents of the Kellogg's brothers actually groomed them to think like, you don't need to really get educated. It's fine because like the world's going to end anyway. It's going to end anyway. What's the point of working hard if the world's going to end anyway? Yeah. Yep. And then, but somehow they managed to take it upon themselves. And at least one of them, um, the older one, John Harvey Kellogg, did become a doctor. However, strongly influenced by his uh, very religious, you know, upbringing. And again, kind of building on this idea of health principles and, eating a vegetarian diet, avoiding alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, you know, his philosophy, Kellogg's philosophy as a doctor was creating like a pure biological living, you know, emphasizing regular exercise, massage therapy, drinking plenty of water, eating the right food, so on and so forth. So he actually opens up his own sanatorium. It's like a world famous medical spa resort known as Battle Battle Creek Creek. Sanatorium. Mm -hmm. And this Battle Creek, and this is 1870s. We are not quite yet talking about cereal being invented. We're just talking about the guy that winds up really making it a thing. So in this sanatorium that he has, very famous, by the way, like super famous. Um, I don't know if you read it up, but like we have presidents that would visit his sanatorium. Yeah, well, I'll be honest, Pete. As I started reading what was going on at the um, the Battle Creek Sanatorium, I was like, you know what? I'm good. Yeah, that's insane. Once I started um, seeing some of the things that they were uh, yeah, advocating no, was, and stuff like that, I was like, all yeah, right, I'm, I'm, I'm just so, going to pass and I'm going to go look up Lucky Charms instead. All right. So, uh, so I'll fill us in a little bit, right? And <laughs> well, again, did, we're going yeah, to keep this G-rated. We're going to keep this yes. G-rated. Well, basically he was worried about a lot of the, the fatty foods that people were eating at the times. Yep. Greasy, salty, spicy foods. He was worried about that. And then what Kellogg was doing is he, uh, he worked in a zoo for a while, right? So I'm sure you're going to yeah. get to this. And he studied gorillas. And he says, well, yeah. gorillas, they have bowel movements four to five times a day. And he says, their gorillas are very healthy. So he was trying to find a way to have people do the same diets that would help that process, basically. Yeah. yeah. And that's one reason why the grains and the, the oats and all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
it said that at his sanatorium, you have some of his patients were Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, Amelia Earnhardt, right? Um, I mean, these are it's it, also yeah, several U.S. Name. presidents. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So what? Are you, let's 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 mention some of these things, right? Um, that would happen at a sanatorium. Um, chewing was a, one of the things, right? It was uh, that you believe this idea that people needed to chew each bite of their food at least forty times before swallowing. So he would lead these dinners at the sanatorium, right? Where he would literally, there would be like a chewing song. And people would literally, it was like, chew, chew, chew. That is the thing to do. People would literally sit there and have to chew before they swallowed 40 times. And, and count, it was like yeah. counted. Yeah, and they counted. Then it was electric light baths. You know, experiment with therapeutic effects of artificial light. And he would have people, he would design these wooden cabinets lined with light bulbs. And yeah, that's the, they, I know that's still why they use today. Yep. That was like his thing. People would literally just sit there or lie and down. It, and The uh, different lights, the different colors are going to filter out different yeah. impurities. That was one of his things. Mm -hmm. Then there was the therapeutic power of electricity. I don't know if you... Uh, Be a little careful with that. Yeah. But I mean, there's... there's Yeah. I mean, I'm going to keep it geratus. I'm not going to talk about some of the other things. If anyone's interested, you guys go look this up. But the one thing he does do, he believed that if you... You know, if you administer a mild dose of electrical current to his patients, a skin or other places, it might help with certain issues. And one of the things was, and if you read this one, he says that if you, he tried this actually on people, that if you applied this electrical current directly to the patient's eyeballs, it might cure a variety of vision disorders. So he used to electrocute yeah. people's Or it eyeballs. could make them blind. Yeah, or it, would probably, or it could yeah fry their retinas. Option. I'm sure that was an option too. So yeah, don't go around putting electrodes onto your eyeballs and expecting you know to uh, cure your cross-eyedness or anything yeah. like that. This is probably going to do a little bit more than that. But um, yeah, these are again, this is turn of the century type of medicine. So some of it worked, some of it not so much. Not so much. This is the guy or the family that brings us cereal. As yeah, and that's it. kind of that's why I'm mentioning it. Yes, like, yes, cereal, yeah. cereal very much fits cereal. into this philosophy. Yeah. Like, it's it helps with all this originally, stuff. Originally, yeah. Which yeah, you don't really think like, of cereal as healthy. Well, I guess some people think of cereal as healthy today. There's certain cereals that are marketed as healthy today, which we can get into um, a bit on, later yeah. on. Because even some of those healthy cereals, I'm, it's kind of debated how healthy they are. Um, yeah. Then talk about the worst ones for you. I actually have a list of that of like the ones that are like. Don't eat this. Don't give this to your kids. Type of stuff. Nice. Like, oh wow. I probably I, ones that yeah. It's the ones that you see all the time. Like, oh really? Well, you know, and that's kind of what we get into with post. It's all about advertising and how they advertise yeah. this stuff. Oh, I like how the rooster. Of, right? Yeah, I saw that. Why they picked the rooster? Why? So I cut you off there. Well, because yeah. um, Kellogg liked it because the Welsh word for rooster is Kellogg, only when it really? with, a, with a C instead of a K. So it sounded like his last name. That's the only reason why there's a rooster. Like people think oh, there's a rooster on it because oh, it's breakfast cereal, it's morning and all the cornflakes. That's not why it's there. It's there simply because Kellogg liked the sound of the Welsh word rooster for rooster because it sounded like his last name. Hmm. So that's it. It's not, it doesn't mean anything about morning, you know, breakfast. It's just over time. Hmm. That's just what, what happened. A little Jeopardy wow. question. I'm sorry. I'm not going to cut you off. No, 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 no. That's fine. I, I mean, I just, again, I'm still talking about Kellogg, the crazy guy, but I mean, I'm just going to give you a couple more that you might get an idea of what, he used to do uh, one was a continuous tub bath. I don't know if you read that one. Um, people, he would basically have 46 different kinds of baths at a sanatorium and people could just hang out in the bath for literally weeks or months at a time. And sometimes only allowed to get at, sometimes only allowed to get out to go use the toilet. Um, and then there was the 15 court enemas. 
Did you read about that one? I that's when I stopped with all the <laughs> stuff. I was yeah. like, you know what, yeah. I'm good. You know, he need people needed to cleanse their columns. So people needed a cleanse. More people need washing than the other remedy he wrote. So he believed that um, you should pump about 15 quarts of water per minute into the patient's bowels to truly have that. He also believed in like a yogurt enemas. I think we should just stop. I think yeah, if we go through yogurt, let's move yeah. on. We're All talking right. about cereal. I want to talk about like yogurt enemas. So let's, let's just get into the uh, – let's get into this, talk about some cereal. cereals. Yes, or whatever the idea. All of it right. Is. So how, how, how is it cereal? How does it become cereal? How does he come – about doing this well the whole idea of cereal itself um i was looking up some stuff on this like the word cereal is actually Mm -hmm. um comes from the roman goddess of the harvest cirrus Mm -hmm. and then grains are called um corn that's basically what they call corn stuff in the uk ireland right the united states canada australia um corn means maize but that's basically how it kind of comes in together so you get that word cereal from the grains and from using the Roman goddess of the harvest, um, Ceres. And that's how you get Ceres. That's where that name comes from. It's crazy enough. Kelly, there's two Kelly's brothers. Um, they actually come out with the idea for uh, cornflakes kind of by accident, right? So while they are, the younger brother, Will, and the older brother, John, who's the doctor. It just like falls off or something, right? And yeah, they were they, trying to- They leave to, it overnight. That's what it was, right? They stumbled on wheat flakes, um, which they called Grenos, I think. And by accident, right? It's like 1894. They're trying to manufacture an e- easily digestible form of bread, and they left it overnight. And the, the top of the um, dough or whatever flaked off, and then they wound up like baking it. And then all the top that flaked off—that's where essentially they came up with flakes, you know, corn flakes. Well, wheat flakes at the time first, um, and then eventually they started experimenting with corn and whatnot. But well, they realized that corn made it things more—it was more cr- crispier, a lot more crunchy yes, than the it wheat tasted flakes. better than the wheat flakes, yeah. Right, but that was the beginning. It was again. It, it's just basically. I think it was the yeast or yeah. dough or something yeah, like flaked make, yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. When they flaked baked off it. and they put, and it makes sense too if you ever have like wheaties and cornflakes. Which one is going to be more crispy? It's definitely going to yeah. be the cornflakes. Yeah. So then, at first, they sold the products um, again as this nutrition, nutritious breakfast. It's health food. This is all health. Health food. food. Yes. Yeah. They started like a late eighteen nineties, and the way that we kind of know them today, cornflakes were made from toasted maize. Right, that was uh, that came out eventually in 1898, based on their experiments, and then a better, more current cornflakes, kind of what you would eat today, almost identical, was uh, came out in 1902. And at first, they only sold their products by mail and only to their ex patients or their patients. That was it, right? Yeah. But then, essentially, like as you mentioned, there's a lot of different rivals to that. You know, there's uh, competition starts to grow because other people start kind of messing around with this and trying their own stuff. And they start to promise the same premise that Kellogg's advertisements promise, which is this is the healthy food. This is what's going to cure a lot of your ills and whatnot. And one of the ex-patients of the sanatorium, a guy by the name of C.W. Post, um, he leaves. First of all, when he was in the sanatorium, he worked in their kitchens. That's why there's like a lot of lawsuits with that in the early 1900s. Well, he because knew, they yeah. That he stole this idea. C.W. Post gets out there and he makes his own version of cereal. He calls it grape nuts. And they're based on granola biscuits, the initial granola biscuits that the two brothers were trying to sell and create in late 1890s. And he then creates like a cereal-based drink. Postum, I think. Postum. Well, he creates um, a couple, and, yeah. yeah. See, grape yeah. nuts was actually the one that he made that was the most popular. It was a, yes. was a coupon. He made two other ones before that. Um, Elijah's, Elijah's ma, manna, 
which didn't yeah. do very well. Then he renamed it Post Toasties. And then yeah. that was it. Okay, but it was a, it was the grape nuts, and then that this drink that started. Uh, how yeah, you got post, yeah, and Post wound up by the sanatorium because he was like heavily depressed, and he really needed to be cured from the depression, and depression. he got cured by, by you know by cereal, not yogurt enemas, <laughs> um, not no, not, not yogurt enemas, no cereal. Um, he basically went out there, and it was this is where advertising comes out, and he kind of comes out with this idea and how he starts selling it, and he goes, you know, most people in the morning just have coffee. And then he called coffee a, a drug drink. You know, he said it creates a brain fog. It's not good for you. Um, so he said that if you drink his, his if you drink his um, cereal made induced postum drink product and eventually, you know, have and eat his cereal for breakfast, then um, he believed that it would cure a lot of your diseases, you know, and. Um, he said it was the rational method of dismissing sickness by eating his post cereal. Well, yeah, yeah, but they're trying to slightly false advertising. Well, yeah, there was no, you know, FDA. Then they kind of like look over these. Well, things. no, yeah, he said his cereal made nerves steadier and blood redder. It could yeah, you're not going to be able cons- to say stuff like that. Yeah, like, what, what do they say now all the time? They always say a part of your balanced breakfast, right? That's what they yeah. say now, and they always show it. It's like here's your, you know, Fruit Loops. And they also have like the banana and the toast, all the other stuff that's a little probably better for you than the Fruit Loops. They just don't they say it's part of your balanced breakfast, and that's just um, kind of what it comes out now. But a lot of it, all the all the even the nineteen twenties when Wheaties came out, it was a um, health uh, health officer again spilled some wheat bran mixture into a hot stove, and that that creates Wheaties, stuff like that. And same thing, nineteen thirties um, Rice Krispies comes into place. And um, they're more of a marketing campaign, kind of ripping off of those uh, wheat puffs that uh, yeah. were made earlier on. But they put they're the first ones to have like characters on the box, right? Snap, pop, um, snap, crackle, and pop. And they, yeah. they become rivals just because of uh, those, yeah, sort of things. And post by this time is totally out of the picture. Believe it or not, you know he was advertising his cereal to be, you know, the one that's going to help cure a lot of sicknesses, and a lot of them dealt with digestion issues. But he had like severe stomach issues and to the point that it by you know 1914 he wound up going to the mayo clinic to try to help himself out with his stomach issues and they couldn't help him and because his entire advertising campaign was based on how his cereal cures you know stomach sicknesses and everything else and clearly here's this guy that's potentially dying from a stomach cancer of some sort um doesn't help he the actually, cost no and he actually committed suicide post committed suicide yeah. in 1914 and it's his daughter that really takes post, uh, you know, to the, next like level, the cereal yeah. company to the next level. There's one other area before we start getting into these other ones that I think we need to mention. And that is that obviously Kellogg's, um, Kellogg's brother, Will, is the one that says, you know what? We're going to we're gonna take this in a different direction. This isn't just going to be something that we're going to Yeah, he didn't get along patients. with his brother, too. His brother used to yes. kind of like um, embarrass him and basically didn't treat him as equal. So he got kind of fed up with yep. that. Yeah, exactly. And then he, he kind of asked his brother, like, hey, listen, can I buy our – basically bought the rights to their own last name, the Kellogg's so brand. Could, yeah, so he was on to So he could make it into a, a cereal company. And his brother was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And so that's kind of what he did. He turned it into a cereal company. And the way it became successful primarily is because he added sugar to them. I mean, yep. People that was sugar. the beginning of – and he threw a lot of money into advertising. He took a lot of the profits that they would normally keep. Yes. And then threw that money into advertising. All of it. Putting yep. on 
the boxes and advertising in newspapers, billboards, things of that nature. So people became aware, hey, what do I, what do you do in the morning? Oh, you eat this cereal. Let me try this these cornflakes. Then they start putting sugar on it and sending that out there. And man, people get addicted to sugar. That's it. And actually, I read somewhere also that a lot of people thought I was crazy because it was Great Depression, 1930s. And a lot of companies and advertisers kind of pulled back. But Kellogg's didn't. Will did it. Will's yeah. like, no, no. Um, breakfast is the way to go. Put cold milk into, you know, together with these oats. This is going to help you. And, and you know, cereal kind of became a thing in the, in the 30s, in the Great Depression. Well, it was, it was cheap. Yep. For a time. Um, and again, it, it was something that you could eat and still feel like you were eating something. It's different than just having that cup of coffee or whatever it would be. You're not going to yeah. be eating sausages and stuff like that a lot of times. People aren't having that sort of egg. Yeah. You know, that sort of th- because, I mean, I guess that would slow you down. You try and digest that, you know? Well, it's also they're not eating that just because maybe they can't afford it, but they can't afford the cereal. And, you yeah. know, and if you eat the cereal, especially if you eat the sugar on it, you're going to feel you're going to feel a bit more energy for a while, right? Until you have that crash. Yeah. Yeah. So, so as you mentioned, Quaker Oats, like 1910s is when Quaker Oats gets on the um, on the you know on the scene here, comes on the scene, and their thing is their method of essentially forced rice grains to explode under pressure. Right, and that's kind of how they marketed puffed rice or you food know shot from wheat. guns, right? Yeah, they said it was food shot from guns, the eighth wonder of the world, as you mentioned before, and that was the the whole premise is that's how they became puffed. And then you said Wheaties, right? You kind of got into that already. Um, yeah, the mm-hmm. famous Breakfast of Champions, which actually um, was only a um, first appeared on a billboard for a minor league team in Minnesota. Doesn't really come on like the Breakfast of Champions until later on, really when yep. the Olympics. That was the thirties. Yeah. yeah, that's when it became a thing. And then um, checks, we checks. I think I, you know, we probably looked at the same area. Those, those were a crazy research. one. Yeah, that, that, that was a um, another religious group, religious social movement, right? The um, I think so. The Ralph, the Ralstonianism, yeah, Ralstonianism. They were a group that they're actually kind of uh, racist in a lot of aspects, and it was a and it was originally called Wheat Checks before it came like Checks Mix, and um, it was all intended to feed the followers of that religion. It's like a um, mind controlling. I think it, yeah. yeah, history knows it as the attempt at a mind controlling cereal. Yeah, it, it was there. They basically he would try to mind control those, and by eating the cereal, they would help them yeah, mind eat control the cereal. And you shall follow us. Yeah, and uh, then also they're famous because uh, they had Elizabeth Taylor on their box in the fifties. That, 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 that was big. That was thirties actually. That was in the thirties before she was even that famous. Yeah, and then the forties, which is the cereal that is considered number one, the best selling cereal in America. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts. Happened in 1940s. You know which one it is? That would be originally appearing as Cheery Oats and now known as yes. Cheerios. Yes, over exactly. one, $1 billion in sales in 2015. Yeah. And then actually, Honey Nut Cheerios did not come out until 1979. That's, and that's the most popular, I think, right? Of its yep. version. And they made a whole yep. bunch of other ones. It was like chocolate ones, right? Different yeah. parts of the country actually have different Cheerios, too. That's what I was looking at. That they're actually average. That you can find in more. You have the Honey Nut. You have, I think there's, there's peanut butter. 
Yeah. And there's a bunch of others too. But. Yeah, but as you said, $1 billion in sales by 2015. That's not bad for a bunch of... Uh, yeah. Yeah, and they're saying it's still the... So maybe I'm mm-hmm. going to call it... Ch- I'm going to say that to the kids. Guys, you want some cherry oats? And they're going to look at you and... Yeah. Yeah, right. And then my breakfast from this morning, which is, has actually become uh, one of my favorite breakfasts over a few years, is uh, Frosted Flakes. Right? That, that becomes really after- popular after World War II, right? Yep. With the baby so, boomers. That's the thing. Baby boomers, there's so many kids. And there's this idea for these kids that, you know what? Um, breakfast is healthy. Eat it before you go to school. And because there's such a large population of children in the United States, um, that's when the, the Kellogg's really gets into this idea. You know what? Let's start well, kids Kellogg's like, company, right? I should say. Yeah, let's like, start advertising to the kids. kids. And that's when Tony the Tiger comes out, right? 1950s mm-hmm. from, you know, Frosted Flakes. And that's really also where the tele- TV advertising comes in. You know, now you knew that, all right, Frosted Flakes is Tony the Tiger and there's different characters and there's some other ones i read in here it was like katie the kangaroo yeah, there's a whole um, bunch that were eventually phased out tony the yeah. tiger the only one to say. but you have ones from other everyone is a copy of tony the tiger you have the tricks rabbit comes out that's the lucky from the lucky charms you have yep. the coco from coco puffs that, that that toucan from toucan sam with the fruit loops all that stuff they're all copies of it works so well for kellogg's with tony the tiger all the general mills a lot of the other companies do the same thing yep and um I mean, some of them, they said that the cartoons, the actual ads for these serials were basically mini cartoons designed for, you know, for kids. And you had this, the one was Quisp, Pink Shape Alien in a green jumpsuit. And then he would like fight. Yeah, they're um, really popular, especially in this in yeah. the space race era, right? 60s. Yeah. And he, he yeah. fought this like rival minor quake in, in these little series of commercials. So each commercial was like a little cartoon. And the kids were like, I want to get Quisp cereal. I mean, is again, Quisp is cereal is not a, not a thing anymore. That was uh, that yeah, but was people buy it on eBay. Cool. I heard people buying it on um, really on eBay it sells for it sells for big money. Yeah, like if yeah, you have, like, that was Quaker. Pasta. I think that was Quaker. I would I would I wouldn't eat it now. No, no, no. no. But, you see, but I mean, I still I, own. You know what? I still own some Star Wars ones from uh, the prequels when they came out. I still own some of those boxes with cereal. In we don't talk about the prequels. We don't talk about it. Although oh, you and I have seen all three of them together, literally. Yeah, yeah they weren't that bad. But, that was um, a long time ago. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that was a, long, that was a really long time ago. All right. But Fun what are you going to do? Yeah. Fun times. Fun times. History. All right. History, so history. then we have like 1970s is when we go into. That's like know, the heyday. It's called, that's like the beginning of like the modern era of cereal. Yes. Which means they borrow on everything that came before. They borrow on the advertising. They borrow on the yeah. claims that is When they that really sugar it up. This is when yep. they really sure they're saying exactly. it's healthy, but this is when they're pumping it full of sugar too. Like everyone's yep. going to have those dehydrated marshmallows and all that. And that's also when you also amp up the idea of, you know what? This is for kids. Let's do it for kids. Let's yeah. do it for kids. And what happens in the fifties really starts it. Tony the tiger is your first formula of adding sugar, um, having some form of cartoon character advertising for the kids, 1950s, very much like we said, tied to baby boom by seventies, they're perfect right? Yeah. And that's when you have, uh, Count Chocula. You like? I like Count Chocula. It's been a while, but I'm a I fan. Don't th- I saw it. I, I, them and the other ones, what the Booberry and the Frankenberry, they come out around Halloween. I think like Count yeah. Chocula is always around. The other two always come out later on. And these are like have like cult like followings. They're talking about like people are just like they know they 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 have their first year on that too. That's the only one that that they're going to buy. And um, then you also have like the um, combination with the Flintstones cartoon. You have Fruity Pebbles and Cocoa Pebbles. 
Yeah. And um, this is when the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, really starts to take a harder look at how the serial companies are marketing to, to children. Yeah, like because maybe, that's when you start realizing like, like sugar is not good for you. Yeah, like like just having these sugary, sugary cereals. Basically, you're getting these kids addicted to it. And they're going to go in the supermarket with their parents and be like, I want Fruity Pebbles. And they want it, one, because they're seeing Fred Flintstone and stuff advertising on TV. But two, just they want that sugar. They need that sugar rush. Their yeah. bodies are craving it. And that's when, like you said, the Federal Trade Commission gets in and it's like, ah, let's look into some of these things. And that's when you start seeing some of those granola brands come back. Because, oh, no, look, cereal's healthy too. Here, here's a healthy cereal alternative. You yeah. Know? Meanwhile, like, I want Cocoa Puffs. Actually, Cocoa Puffs is the first cereal I ever had when my family immigrated and myself to the United States. Dude, that was my first tell you. taste of, of American That was my food. first taste. I was like, what? These come in chocolate? It's um, fancy. I mean, again, Cocoa Puffs has been around the United States since 1958. But when I came to the U.S., dude, I, I was like, what is this? The turn between milk into chocolate milk? And it came with a spoon. Remember when back in the day you would actually have like a little car spoon. They would throw the toy directly inside in of the, bag, yeah, the box. Yeah. And then, then it turned into, hey, you send in a couple of these things and we'll send you something. And now it's like, yeah, we're not giving you anything. Occasionally there'll be like a sticker in it or something and – I told you the first American food I understand the American food that my dad had when he came here was a banana. Oh, I, I actually don't no, talk about food. Yeah, I've never mm-hmm. had a banana until I came to the United States. Actually, my dad too, but he never saw a banana either. He had no idea. I didn't tell you this story before. So they <laughs> no. give him a banana as he gets off as he comes to America for the first time, and he has no idea what a banana is. So the the flight attendant or whatever is like, "Well, you eat it," and he doesn't he doesn't know English yet. So she's like showing him how you eat a banana, like how you just bite, you know you bite into yeah. it. So he just bites into banana, not knowing that you're supposed to peel it first. Oh, Jesus. So he just bites into it and gets really mad. He throws it at her and it becomes this whole big thing. <laughs> <laughs> because he doesn't know. He's a little Polish boy from another country. He has no idea about a banana. I've never seen that before on a farm in the middle of nowhere. You know? That's so funny. All right. Anyway, so, I back to cereal. Where were you on now? Back to the cereal. We're at, we're at the 70s and the heyday of cereal. Um, sugar them up. Sugar them up. That's all right. right. So then we get to 80s. Co-branding cereal was yes. the name of the game. Oh, yeah. I remember these. This is this I, is our time. Mr. Well, Mr. T, Mr. T cereal. I I had that. I was a huge Mr. T fan. I love that Mr. T cereal. I can't remember serious? what it tasted like. I used to. Oh my god! I used to. Well, oh yeah. Well, he had, his name was Mr. T. I'm gonna Google this. Mr. T cereal. He was Mr. T. So my name was Thomas. Like, oh, he's got to be like me. So I just I, <laughs> I used uh I used to eat I used to eat Mr. T cereal all the time. I remember the other ones too. That I was uh, all those ones from this time, like the Smurf cereal. Had, um, yeah, it was all about co-branding. It's all yeah. about, hey, what's out right now? What Every movie, you know, like the late Donkey 80s, Kong. you had Ninja Donkey Turtle Kong. cereal. I remember the Ninja Turtle cereal. Cabbage Patch Kids cereal. Yep, all those. All those like, no, that, that came out. And oh, also the California Raisins came out when they had those like little claymation skits on the California Raisins when they were singing and stuff like that. The, for Raisin Brand and stuff like that. And then the 90s. The 90s tries to take the fun out of cereal. This is when you let's, get those. Um, let's be healthy. You get kind of that. Well, you get this uh, organic food. Parents, you, know, organic, you have you have that type of change. Yes, yeah, so you all those ones that just have like the. Um, you see most times in the supermarkets now when you go and look, they're kind of in bags and they just have like an animal on it. Like this is gorilla munch and this is elephant yummies and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not. It's not a brand. They still have that kind of that cartoon character on there. Yeah, but it was an animal, something like that, but it's not like a brand. It's just, it's just also in the late 80s, early 90s, when you start getting a lot of those knockoff cereals too, like ShopRite, stuff like that. They're yes. going to have their own cereal, so they can't call it Frosted Flakes. It's um, 
what do they call instead of frosted flakes like frost um it's not frosted flakes it's flakes flakes frosted like they just reverse everything <laughs> no i'm serious they just call everything uh, cocoa puffs are just like puffs. chocolate puffs puffs of chocolate like that's what they do it's, it tastes virtually the same and it's very similar it's just there it's just the the cheaper version of it the knockoff version of it you start seeing these pop around at uh, that time also crazy and then you get to 2000s and that's when people kind of want you know they want their labels to be this very is the transparent. battle yeah this is the yeah, battle you, you basically want the labels to be transparent what am i eating i want to know i mean think of how much cereal has changed you're looking at tony the tiger Right, and now you look at like a Kashi Go Lean cereal. This much protein, this much fiber, this much fat. Like it's very transparent. Like you yeah. are here for this reasons. And the thing that they don't mention usually, they'll mention the, the protein content or the fiber or the fats or whatever. But what they don't mention is the sugar content. I mean, for cereal to be edible, you know, it, it needs to have sugar. And a lot yeah. of these cereals that claim to be healthy. They're like not well, really we'll get to that. Well, well, I'm going to get to that in a bit. Yeah, well, they're not, they're in the 2000s when the whole idea of, again, having that more transparency in the label, the idea of not having these artificial ingredients or genetically modified products yep. changes. And it's very different from cereal overseas. A lot of the cereals overseas don't have the same chemicals that the cereals in the United States have. Yeah. You actually buy Cheerios in England. It's going to be different from the Cheerios that you get here if you look at the labels and what's there. Yep. So if you're more of a health conscious, the ones overseas are actually better for you than the ones here in the United States. And they said it's just the American palate. They said we want stuff a little sweeter. If it's going to be a little sweeter, it's going to have a longer shelf life. There's going to be some, even if they say it's not genetically modified, it's whole grain or whatever, there's still something being done to this because it just won't survive that long otherwise. I guess that's kind of like, that brings us to today with cereal. Cereal, I think it's time for for some, uh, some fun facts about cereal. What I found out is that a chemical by the name of um, it's in like 43 of the 45 major cereals. And it's the same active ingredient that's in most commercial um, rat poisons. No, good. Now it, it is a, um, in weed killers, TSP is what it's known as. I have the actual name here. I wrote it down. Trisodium phosphate. And it's, so it's a, it basically causes burning sensation, abdominal pain, and it, uh, and, uh, it does collapse as reactions to injection. And there's only trace amounts. I'm not saying this is going to kill you, but the idea is if you're eating cereal every day nonstop, this amount can start to build up in your digestive tracts, and then you're basically going to have this uh, in your system. Like I said, 43 of the top 45 cereals in the country, when tested, they have this They have this in there. Well, you know, remember the, the case in 1972 um, with a 12-year-old kid that started pooping red after eating uh the strawberry flavored cereal, the Frankenberry oh, stool. Was known and, and that's what got rid of Frankenberry for a while. Yeah, it was. It was 1972. It appeared in um, Pediatrics magazine. And basically, this kid had, you know, he was said it was benign red poo demic. You know, like kids started pooping red because of Frankenberry. Yeah. So they got a lot of those dodging. I remember the, the original blue M and M's when they used to be in were also caused causing my kids to have some the dye or something with the dye. They had to change it. That's why they weren't blue M&Ms for a number of years before blue came back. That's another podcast. Oh. And, but again, that's like talking about, wow, it took you a while this time. Yeah. But that's, you know, the time. thing, but think of the chemicals that you're eating in supposedly healthy food, you know? Well, yeah. I have to have the list of the, um, according to you, different studies, the worst cereals to eat. Oh, geez. Based off like this, the sugar content. So number 10 is what you ate this morning. That's Frosted Flakes. Ha, this is number 10, not one. Nine is Lucky Charms. Well, what do you think number one is? 
You definitely had it, sir. Give me the top five. Number five is Cocoa uh, Cocoa Krispies. Okay. Four is the Oreo Oreo, the Oreo O's, the Oreo Cheerios. Okay. Three, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, which I guess, those are pretty sugary. Those are pretty sugary. Two is Tricks. I didn't think Tricks were that sugary. Hmm. But the number one makes sense when you hear it is um the the honey smacks you know with the frog oh okay i was gonna say that's not the most popular one though no it's not the most popular this is the most sh- the worst one for you because it's just a high sugar content and everything else they put in it hmm. so talk that's... about lucky charms so lucky charms came out in 1964 did you know that the pink heart marshmallow is the only original shape to survive over the years like seven, they keep on adding a whole bunch of more like they yeah and changing them up yeah 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 messing around crazy with it, messing around with it it initially had like pink hearts, yellow moons, orange stars. Well, well, yeah, horseshoes. Yeah, horseshoes, four, five, twelve verse. And they added like rainbows. Remember that was like a big deal when the rainbows were added. And they yeah. put red balloons and I think there's clouds now. And it kind of talking about what we're talking about. The, talking about there's as much sugar. There's much sugar in a serving of Honey Smack cereal as there is in a glazed donut at Dunkin' Donuts. There you go. Crazy. And this is a breakfast stuff. This is, you know, when they're saying a breakfast of champions and they're saying, you know, a balanced breakfast, people are in this. They're getting energy. They're getting energy from the sugar. Well, we really sounded like parents here, right? They're talking about yeah. how, like bad oh, sugar and stuff like that. Well, you know right what? After Halloween. I'm still, I'm still going to eat them. I'm still going to eat But also, you said breakfast of champions. I mean, you know that the astronauts on Apollo 11, right? First moon landing, they ate Kellogg's cornflakes on, on board. Yeah. Like right That'd before be they, you know, they landed on the moon. Like that, that was their tang. breakfast of champions. Yeah crazy all right what else you got about cereal i have some of like the strange ones that kind of uh came out over time um we talked the quiz was on that list that you talked about before these strange ones i also had ones um that were supposed to be some of like this like the oddest tasting ones what do you got came out you had ones that were like um came out more in the 60s like crab flavored and stuff like that um flavored yeah, crab flavor. They were called, called like uh, crabios or something like that. You had okayos, which were um, it was made by Brawny, like the actual okay. it was Kellogg's, but it was in combination with Brawny. They were like an oat cereal. Um, they originally had it was like this muscle bound guy that was also Native American and Scottish on the cover, and then they just switched it to Yogi Bear eventually. But the original ones are actually worth a lot. You had um, but. Cornflakes used to also come with dried bananas inside. Okay. Instant bananas. So you had some okay. crazy ones um, like that. Um, Sir Grapefella was a, apparently a very uh, popular one. Um, uh, after World War II, it was General Mills. And it was, he used to fight someone. I can talk about those cartoons called Baron Von Redberry. He was kind of, um, basically, Sir Grapefella would fight in airplanes against a German character named Baron Von Redberry. After they would, uh, go around fighting and stuff like that. It was a short-lived cereal, but um, it's cereal enthusiasts are always looking for it, basically. That's one of the ones that they're looking for all the time. Yeah, the Urkelos oh, from Steve Urkel. You used to have um, WWF Superstar cereal. It was only out for one year. That was that you, was the 80s. Like we said, it was the, the co-branding. 80s, yeah. You know, like you what could, else was out there? You could win a uh, free trip to WrestleMania 8. So these so, are the ones that they came out there. And again, it says anything that came out, Anything that was popular on TV or pop, basically pop culture, let's make a cereal. A lot of them tasted basically like corn puffs. That's a lot of them. Yeah, because I mean, at the end of the day, that's really all you got, right? That's the easiest the f- way to do it, too, the cheapest. 
the four greatest manufacturers of breakfast cereals, right, today are, and through history, really, Kellogg's, General Mills, Post, and Quaker Oats. And the United States is actually only fourth in the world uh, cereal for cereal, cereal consumption. Did you know that? Yeah. Um, I, I knew the, we were number one. Us, I I, yeah, Ireland, England, Australia are number one for cereal consumption. I know they have 80% of Americans or 80-something percent of Americans eat it in the eat it in the morning as a breakfast food, but they mm-hmm. also consider it a snack food also. Yeah. Whereas you can eat at any time of the day and just, you know, it's, it's a snack. They don't consider it a dinner food, but it's a snack food or a dessert food also. Yeah, they're saying an average American eats about 160 bowls of cereal per year. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's... And also you could tell, and it's funny because they could tell that the healthier cereals uh, are very much targeted towards adults and the unhealthy ones are very much targeted. Yeah, they're the ones with like with the sugaring stuff. Yeah. I just saw advertised today. They they, um, came out with a elf cereal just for the holidays. You remember like Buddy the Elf? With what you're saying, I mean, this idea of having Captain Crunch, but having this idea of cereal being sold based on what's happening at the time. The yeah. first ever monster cereal was produced by General Mills in the seventies, and that was Count Chocula. You know, that was the first, like, yeah. you know, produced around a specific time. And uh, I think Halloween. right now, Count Chocula is only sold around Halloween. I don't think it's sold yeah, around anymore. He might be the only one. I, I yeah, I think he might have been. You're probably right. I don't know. I don't eat it, but uh, I know. I know the other two, the Frankenberry and the Blueberry, only come out on Halloween time. Yeah. I don't know if Count Chocula is available year round. Stuff like that. I, mean, I saw that uh, Lucky Charms did a promotion a while back where you could actually win a million dollars if you got the box of Lucky Charms that was all marshmallows. There was several boxes, mm-hmm. you know, sent throughout the country where there was just marshmallows inside. That's it. And if you poured, mm-hmm. if you opened it up and poured out just marshmallows, you won a million dollars. That was like their big, their big giveaway. I don't know who, who, if anyone ever won it. It's kind of like remember those uh, McDonald's with the Monopoly. Yep, yep, yep. You actually could never win it. Oh, someone has Park Place. You've got to find, you know, the Broadway. You always know some kid had it, but it was never true. And now, I don't know if you ever pay attention to this, but, you know, there's, if you look at, if you notice the characters on all the sugary cereal boxes, like Tricks and everything else and Cocoa Puffs, the actual cartoon characters always seem to be looking down at something on the boxes. And it was designed by advertisers, this is a special technique, to when you put these mascots, um, you want them to be on the eye level of the kids that are roaming the aisles in the supermarket. Yeah. So that if you that's look at- That's the supermarket too. They're at a kid's eye level. That's not right. So if you go to the aisle, yeah. but if you look at the boxes of each one of these cereals and you look at the characters, they're always looking down. So that way from the perspective of a child looking up, they're looking like at them. But hey, look, I'm looking at you. You look at the cereal, go buy it crazy yeah i mean that's that's marketing there's so much stuff that goes in and then cereal is a great example of like american products american markets it was american invention now it spreads around the world and look we're not even the number one consumer of it anymore it's this idea that started here spreading around the world and i guess we're kind of coming to a close i just want to mention one other thing that talk about you know we don't know what we eat anymore but cocoa krispies right do you know that they they actually contain like no chocolate less than two percent of semi-sweet chocolate in Cocoa Krispies. How do they taste so So what are we eating? Yeah. It's (laughs) It's like the chocolate flavored rice. (laughs) Like what are you eating? What are you eating? Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, it's one of those things though, but that's just, that's Americana. That's just, that's how we are. So, Uh, 
You ever want to look up, look up what's actually in a hot dog sometimes? <laughs> uh, I'd rather not. I'd rather <laughs> not. Might freak you out a little bit. All right, guys. So we hope uh, you turn in again next week to listen. And until then, have an awesome week. Take, Take care. Bye-bye. Take it easy. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. The Battle of Waterloo was one of the most famous turning points in world history. But what happened next? My name's David Montgomery, and I'm the host of The Siecla, a history podcast that tackles exactly that. Join me as I cover France's overlooked century in between Napoleon and World War I. The Siecle, spelled S-I-E-C-L-E, is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and can be found wherever you get podcasts.